You might have heard the old adage, you can't have pleasure without pain. Well, today's guest, Candace Wu, is here to say, yep, you can. She's a multidimensional healing facilitator and intuitive coach that holds an experiential and trauma-wise space for you to calibrate yourself, your body, into your natural energetic signature and source so you can enjoy a life of beauty and pleasure. Join us to find out more. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to our realizations, our epiphanies, our profound moments, potent insights, mystical revelations, and we come together in community and we share and we uplift each other and inspire each other to keep going deeper into the mystery, deeper into this uh, human life experience on earth, which can be so awesome at the same time as painful, at the same time as full of pleasure. And uh, I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. And so I'm here to guide you in that conversation and to open you up to new possibilities, uh, just as I'm opened up to. I always have beautiful guests on the show. And I also lead groups. So if you're interested in that kind of thing and you want to go deeper into yourself in community and be witnessed and witness others and learn from each other, then look at my website, kerryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, and check out the offerings I have and see what resonates. And let's hop on a discovery call. So for today, welcome Candice Wu. Welcome, Candice. Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be here. Candace and I, I connected. This. Yeah, we connected in the fall and like I was like, okay, I know you. Yeah. Okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I remember our conversation and we just instantly were sharing like these pieces of soul parts that we had both discovered at that time and yeah, I was curious what's alive with you now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Candace is here. Um, for the show today, we're going to have a very interesting conversation about pleasure, but let me tell you a little bit about her first before we get started. She is a multidimensional healing facilitator and intuitive coach. She supports people in self-love, wholeness, and liberation, and she holds an experiential and trauma-wise space for you to calibrate your body to your natural energetic signature and source, enjoy a life of beauty, pleasure, and navigate the unknown to co-create with the mystery of life. Ha! Huh. Yes. And as the host of the Embody <laughs> podcast, Candace offers personal healing experiences, multidimensional trauma healing, and self-love practices, guest interviews, and meditations, and experiences to support your innate inner wisdom and resources. So yeah, just live in the life. And you're, you guys are going to get a free offer today. So definitely check out the show notes, Ally with Death Audio Experiential. Uh, I'm going to give you a link in the show notes. And you know what? You guys know I love the spirit of death. It's like such a good friend to let go of that which does not serve. Let that shit go. We got better things to do. We're moving on. We got things to experience on this earth. And it's well beyond this human drama that we've been experiencing for the past thousands of years, getting old, yawn. You know, like there's more territory <laughs> to explore in the human genome. So Candace, how did you get started in this? We'll, we'll just start with you and your story and how you got started in realizing all this kind of stuff. Because I know you do constellations work too. So, and you guys know I love constellations work. Um, just powerful. My friend Gary Stewart also does it and it's powerful stuff I've experienced in person. Tell us how you got started in this. How'd you get you started? Know, honestly, it was my own, it was my own work. I feel like what I do is embodied in my bones because I came from a lot of suffering. And I think a lot of, a lot of healers come from that place or people working in this field or delving into it. And I was just, I was an art teacher and I really loved it, but I was such an overachiever because I thought that that's what I had to do. And I blasted through what people would do in 30 years in five. And I had headaches every single day. I didn't enjoy what I 
did in a way, like I loved it, but I was suffering on the inside and my body was in pain almost everywhere. My cholesterol was at 420 one day, (laughs) you know, it just, my body was a mess. And when I started to go into therapy, it was because my great grandma passed away and it just broke me. It just broke me. And I felt like something had been ripped from under me. She was someone I lived with growing up and it was what catalyzed me into my healing. And so when I did, when I started therapy, I found an embodied practice EMDR that just completely helped me transform things. And slowly things just started peeling open from there. It was like, I'd have these spiritual moments with myself where I felt like I was in sync with, you know, that mystery or the oneness or the unknown that, and, and okay with it. And then it just peeled open from there that I knew I had to go there. I had to follow that draw of what was juicy and alive for me. Oh, so beautiful. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking when we lose somebody we love so dearly. And there's also this way in which for myself, I lost my dad three years ago. So it's a profound influence in my life. And even though I felt so much grief and I still feel grief for his loss. There's also this doorway that opens to discover so much about ourselves in that experience of loss. Absolutely. You know, and you mentioned the, the ally with death experiential that I brought up and, you know, letting shit go. And, and here we experience a very painful aspect of death. If, if the others are not already painful in some ways, you know, losing someone you love and, how do you, how do you move through that? You know, we're in this human experience and what comes of it can be so grueling, but also show us, lead us back to home, like lead us back to what really is the loving that's underneath it. The, yeah, just simply the loving. Yeah. And it's an invitation, especially if this person was fundamental to your sense of well being or safety Um, your sense of identity, losing that person actually supports you in finding a more true connection to source, right? A more true version of yourself. Like I know when my dad passed away, I realized um, that a lot of the things I thought were healed in my family actually were not healed at all because now he wasn't there being the glue to hold it all together. It revealed a lot of things were going on in my family still that I didn't know were still there. And it also revealed for me that I had some patterns, some shadow patterns that I didn't know I had. Like I became aware that I had a huge sense of entitlement, for example, that I wasn't aware I was entitled until he wasn't there anymore. And I was like, oh, I am entitled. (laughs) That's crazy. I this had this idea of myself that didn't match what I was discovering in the shadows. I was like, oh, wow. Like I got work to do. So I started doing that work, you know, and yeah, on the other side of that work, several years later, I I'm re-engaging with my mom in a more healed space, you know, after healing the mother wound, this is my recent book that came out. It's like this things, death is actually a doorway for self-discovery. It's a painful doorway, but it is a doorway and it can lead to more blessings. And so I just speak for myself what I've noticed there is that it led to more blessings mm-hmm. for me and my mom. Mm. Yeah, I completely relate to that. I remember one of the biggest feelings I had when my great grandma passed away when she died was guilt because I had not, I felt like I had not given to her or shown her a certain kind of love that I felt I ought to. And I remember a friend of mine was like, isn't it, isn't that backwards in a way? aren't you the little one and she, the big one, you know, she's your great grandma. It, it, not in terms of like, you know, my spirit, but in terms of order and she, she's here to give you all this love and you received it. And this was probably a big opening to the ancestral work that I do because I felt like I had to be bigger than her. I felt like I had to mother her and that was just not my place. And it was like this tangled web of all these different beliefs then that 
that came through from that and a mix up of, you know, who I was, who I, who I had, like what roles I had taken up in my family system and in my life and going in that direction of looking there on top of losing her. But I think that that's a very hard place to be, but it was extremely, extremely rewarding to take that path. There's also some realizations that um, I've had around that drive to mother as a young person, people that were older than me. And I feel like this is, um, you know, it's the realization that we're all, all different ages of souls and we're in a one room classroom. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily match, right? Like your idea is that, oh, they're older than me in the body. So therefore they know, they know how to love better than me because they're teaching me how to love. But actually sometimes our kids are older than we are more mature souls and they actually teach us how to love because they come in and they're like, oh, wait a second. I know some things that you don't know yet. And we learn from our kids as a mom, mm -hmm. I can speak to that. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell based on what somebody looks like, how old their soul is actually and what skills they've actually mastered. And so we can get a little turned around in this earth dimension. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so many of you know, in my own experience with my father um, and in my clients' experiences with parents, they have found themselves in past lives in another role, as, perhaps as their parents to their parents. So the, the parent in this life is their child in another life. And how strange <laughs> for us to land there. And you know, feel certain responsibilities or feel certain dynamics. And then there is just something so strong to the pull of this human, this now experience that you came in this position, maybe to balance it out or maybe to learn something new. But, you know, you're speaking to these layers of soul time, like time, why wisdom through the soul and position in the family perhaps and how it all collides yeah so and then, it's a wonder we you know live through it <laughs> it is a wonder and I also had this realization that at least for me I actually have re I've incarnated into this particular ancestry this human ancestry this DNA ancestry several times so you know like <laughs> I had incarnated into this ancestry generations ago like I think seven generations ago and had made a choice that then set into motion various patterns in my family line that were a direct result of the choice that I made. And then came back in now to send healing energies and to close that out, you know? Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful and mind blowing. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, wow, because I was really working on healing the mother wounds. Right. So I was working on yeah. why is my mom act like this? And why is she, ha why do I always feel this with her? And, and I don't understand. And then, and during plant medicine journeys and various deep meditations where I really was contemplating this, finally, my soul revealed to me, it's like, oh, well, that's because this happens. <laughs> I was like, and you're the one who did it. And I was like, oh, oh no wonder she acts that way and it was like this big healing because I took responsibility for my choice and I took responsibility wow. for the impact it made as it rippled down the family line and when I did that it's like everything has reversed like not reversed but it has it has softened because I took responsibility instead of being an argument with it so sometimes we don't know why mm -hmm. someone's acting the way they're acting towards us, but for them, it, and they might not even know, like if they don't have access to these tools that we that you and I have access to and many people in this audience, they might not even know why they're acting the way they're acting. So we have Absolutely. to take responsibility without knowing, right? I mean, we have to just claim responsibility. Yeah, yeah it was a painful experience for me to realize through a client actually, 
um, that I had had a past life with this person. And I won't go into detail as to what happened between us, but it was like this abrupt moment where they said, I'm no longer going to work with you. And here's why. And it, it was, it was just, I could see where it came from in, in the relationship, like a piece. So it's always these pieces sorting them out in my experience. And then it felt like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a whole lot extra here. Where's it coming from? And when I tuned into it, it just blew my mind that actually that's what related to my father and my father's wife, who I had had a falling out with a couple of years back, where I just felt betrayed by my father in a way, like he chose her and she kind of like pointed at me and said, you're so selfish. And in a Chinese family, that's like the worst thing you can say. <laughs> and here's just after I'm having a very light conversation, what I think is light conversation with my father about how people have emotions, <laughs> kind of one of our regular conversations. <laughs> you know, yeah. dad, sometimes people have emotions. And so she comes blasting at me and it just kind of put all the pieces together for me because what came to me was that this client uh, was involved in the situation and had witnessed where I persecuted my father, who was not my father in that life, but, but a friend. I persecuted him by blaming him for something that wasn't even his fault. And I knew what there was at stake for me and covered it up. So I lied, blamed my father, which was a friend at the time, and his wife was there too and was deeply hurt by it. And so I just, when that blasted me, it was like, oh, my whole life makes sense. <laughs> and maybe, you know, he, he will never, maybe, I don't know if he'll ever access that information. Certainly, probably not in this life because he's just not interested. I never, I don't know, but it definitely gave me a lot of compassion and I had to take up a lot of responsibility being, being the one that was on that side of things, the persecutor, the person lying, the person doing something, some harm, which was uncommon for me to experience. Absolutely. You know, so these are really interesting pathways because um, we're getting the chance to clear so much karma now from our past lives. You know, we're, we're getting the heightened awareness, like the eagle eye perspective. We're getting these tools, you know, working with the Akashic records and the constellations, healings and energy medicine. We have all these tools now to sort of tie up loose ends, right? Like of everything that's been up mm -hmm. until now, because we're, we're, you know, we're kind of clearing the information I have anyway. And I express in the second wave book is that we are, we're closing the book of fate. Like that whole yes. time was a time where we got to experience the effect of karma and the effect of deep, dark, dense, shadowy patterns. And now we're heading into a whole new experience. You know, we're heading into greater self-mastery. We're heading into more conscious languaging, a realization, a conscious awareness of the things in motion, right? So we're mm -hmm. just, we're, we're up-leveling to a different frequency. And the planet herself is up-leveling to another frequency. So a lot of the low vibrational patterns that have been on the planet up until now aren't going to be supported anymore. So, you know, we're not going to be in a dense vibratory pattern where murder is possible, like we're just stepping out of that space. So, um, you know, we are now entering a space of pleasure, right? So we're, we've been in a space of a lot of intense pain and not to say that we won't have any pain anymore, but I feel like we're, we're shifting our focus as a species into how does pleasure help us as well? You know, we've learned a lot from pain mm -hmm. and what can we learn from pleasure? You know, it's interesting, this conversation, like the bridge, I love what you described and what popped into my head was the saying that people have, which I love deconstructing these things, can't have pleasure without pain. And it's like, well, yes, you can. You actually can. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just simply you can. And that's something for a long time, I didn't, I couldn't feel that that was true. Um. But I think with what you're saying, you know, we have so many tools to 
close the door on fate. We have so many tools to close those loops and clear the space so that we can really feel our creative essence. Creative, not as in, not necessarily as in, you know, doing a painting or singing or whatever, but what we are manifesting for lack of a better word or what our intentions are and what we do each moment that is a creation and for me pleasure as my compass has been so empowering to know myself to really know myself what do I feel what do I want what makes me feel pleasure what gives me pleasure in any direction and to shed those ideas of that I can't have that or that there are people suffering so I can't have that. That's a big one that I get from people around me and have worked through myself and still work through pieces. But we have all these ideas that we can't have pleasure. Yeah, like I so resonate with what you said about well, other people aren't happy, so how can I be happy? I have, I'm connected to people who are, I've been watching like a few different people, in particular, this one couple on social media sharing and the guy's a photographer. So he does this beautiful photography. So he's sharing pictures of his life with his new wife and with his little baby and uh, in the, the space that they're in, I think they're in Bali. So it's like, it's this gorgeous, you know, like what you would imagine like a paradise would be. And he's regularly showing these pictures, like just circulating. He showed pictures of the birth. He showed these, I mean, just, it's so romantically gorgeous. Like, it's just like a dream life. And I sat back kind of like, this is some shit, <laughs> you know, like I have sat back in total judgment. Like this is BS. This is just giving people a false idea. This is encouraging people to avoid their shadows. This is like, this is, you know, this is just you know, spiritual bypassing. This is such a schmear, you know, false BS. Like I have just, I've totally sat back in judgment. And then I started looking at my gene keys chart and I found I have this shadow of seriousness <laughs> and it flipped the tables on me because in the seriousness gene key, it goes from seriousness to delight along the path of delight to ecstasy. And as I started thinking about that, I remembered that actually what tore my whole life apart, actually my former marriage, everything, was the fact that I discovered ecstasy. I actually, I discovered the orgasm. I discovered I could, ha I thought I was having them the whole time for 20 years and I realized, oh crap, that was not orgasm. <laughs> like, oh, that's what <laughs> that's it is. That's a big wake up. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello, orgasm. Let me, nice to meet you. <laughs> you are Seriously. my new best friend. <laughs> I discovered this experience, this ecstatic body experience that I could actually reproduce it reliably. And I found ways of doing that, you know, with tools and things like that. I could reproduce this experience and I could feel like such, and I had never felt this before in my body. I, I was always so serious, so serious about everything. And everything was dense and heavy and stuck and serious and, ooh, ooh, you know, like, well, you're trying to have an orgasm or you're hoping for one and there's <laughs> someone in your corner of your in the corner of your psyche going oh you think you're gonna enjoy that <laughs> yeah. just like you're sitting with that man that's just what I pictured in my head I mean it's just you know and I never knew like I never knew that that experience was possible until my mm -hmm. friend invited me to some slumber party and I got over myself and I went so now that I'm looking at that, because I had judgment for that too, right? So I did, because I, I cheated, mm -hmm. right? So after that all happened, because I had this, this period of time where it was just like wild and crazy. And I was enjoying my body. I was like, wow, this, how many ways can this happen? You know, it was like <laughs> my new inquiry. And what happened was as I manifested left and right, what I wanted was like, bam, I want a hot chocolate man. Bam, there it is. There's another one. There's another, whatever I wanted, it was like right there. And then I got on my spiritual path. And I got serious again. 
Oh. <laughs> you know this one? Are you familiar with this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And it got Absolutely. serious you again. You dive into the deep end again. And, and, you know, sometimes we need to see something there. And sometimes we need to see that we just, we dove, we dove back in again. <laughs> but it's actually like, it's a thing. Like, it's a pattern. And, mm-hmm. and my, my mentor warned me about this. She said it was a spiritual judge. Because I did from my new lens, right? I had to claim mm-hmm. ownership of the pain that I caused, right? So there is a part, right, on the spiritual path. We got to shadow dive. We've got to claim responsibility for all the havoc we created. So when I went on my rampage of ecstasy, like I was enjoying myself, but you know, my husband at home was definitely not enjoying that this experience was happening for me, right? This is not mm-hmm. a good thing for him. And, and I had responsibility for how it tore my family apart. So I did have to own that. I had to own that choice, but I didn't need to stay there and hang out in seriousness and punish myself because of that, right? Right. But we do. Right. We do. We do in ways that we don't even know we're doing it. I don't, I can't even name an example because I feel like it's happening all the time. You know, recently I got in three car accidents in 24 hours. Wow. And they were all very minor. Like the first one, you could hardly call the first one a car accident, but um, I I drove into a curb in the parking lot, like on accident. I just, it was a little too close, flat tire. Uh, The other one was a, a slight rear end, my fault. Other one was someone hit me on the side. And I just, the first question I had, because it's been on my mind is, am I punishing myself for something (laughs) like what? And I could backtrack a little bit and see that I had had an amazing experience with, with a romantic partner two days before that. And I was like, what is that about? And it unfolded to a lot of different pieces. There was a part of me that was really dissociated. So yeah, here I am driving around with some dissociation And yeah, of course I didn't see this all happen, but it was like, why? And it, it turns out I wasn't really punishing myself for the pleasure, but I think if we really, you know, there are layers, what I'm finding is there are layers to the pieces we're acting upon. And one layer was the dissociation that was related to my fear of abandonment in this situation, which is related to my entire existence, you know, beyond this life. Oh, I have always been working with it. Hopefully it's much less now. And then if you get really, really far down into the energy of it, it's really like, do I feel like I'm worthy of this pleasure? Mm. And am I completely worthy of it right now? And in the next moment, and then in the next moment where I don't have to grab it on so tightly and anchor myself to it and attach and say, this needs to last. So it, it's just happening all the time. <laughs> it is. It's a thing. I so relate to what you said when you said you questioned, am I worthy of it? I remember mm-hmm. when I, when my husband, my now husband um, came into my life at a firewalk and we looked at each other and we're like, there's something going on here. Like I know you somehow, right? Like there's, this is, this is crazy. And now, and I went and looked at my manifestation um, romantic partner checklist and it was like, check, 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 check. Oh my God, this is the guy. Like I, the oh. universe said, here you go. This is what you asked for. After many trial attempts where I sent it back and I was like, this is not the mail I ordered, you know, <laughs> return to sender, <laughs> return to sender. <laughs> this is not the meal I ordered. I know this is not the meal I ordered. The meal I ordered is delectable. I am waiting for that one to show up. Mm-hmm. And, and then we looked at each other and we're like, cause I was also his delectable meal he ordered. And we would look, I remember we went to the movies and I would look at each other and we're like, is this happening? And oh my God, it is happening. It is happening. I say yes. I say yes too. I say yes to this. This I say yes. yes. We had to actually like consciously keep saying yes because we could feel the tug of that. No way are my dreams being answered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Like it can't get, it can't be this easy as this. What's the catch? Wow. Right. It, oh, like, cause the rug kept got, getting pulled. Right. So it can't be as easy as all that. Like, but see, it's, see, that's the work is to overcome the shadow that says it can't be as easy as that. And, and the mm -hmm. shadow that says, oh, well, don't show everyone how happy you are because they're not happy. So you can't show them how happy you are because it'll make them feel bad about them not being happy. And then you're a bad person if you make them sad about them not having as much happiness as you have. So you, now you have to be less happy with your happiness so that you don't offend or hurt other people. And see how we keep each other. It's a constant web. Down. Yeah. So my guy that I was judging, this photographer living in Bali, I had this revelation last night in working with my gene key, like he's courageous. Holy crap. He's courageous. Mm. He is falls out just saying, look at my awesome life from my heart. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Universe, divine God, source creator. I say yes to my beautiful life. I say yes to paradise on earth. I say yes to high vibes. I say yes to a beautiful wife and a beautiful child. I say yes to the ocean. I say yes to easy living. He is just like, and I'm going to share it with the world and I'm going to sing it to the heavens. Hallelujah. I have heaven on earth. Wow. Thank you. That's that's so beautiful. And he's completely in his joy. He's in his joy. I'm sure he's got shadows, but we do we have to focus on those all the time? Like, or can we just be in awe that he is actually living heaven on earth? And mm -hmm. we don't have to like have him show us all his shadows so we can feel like it's acceptable for him to have. I mean, do we really? Right. It's, it's such a, an example of how we can actually, the possibility that we can actually be in ease, joy, and, and that kind of bold loving while there are some shitty things going on in the world or around us or in our own lives. Like we can focus there and we can create that moment of, of joy. Yeah, we can choose the joy. And, and I am, definitely not a fan of spiritual bypassing it in any way. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming to see that my consciousness has been afflicted by seriousness. Yeah. You and me both completely, you know, we can, we can absolutely do our work and it's important and there's a time for that. And there's a time to look underneath it and say, wait a minute. <laughs> Is that the unworthiness showing up in doing the work? Or is that the, the piece of us that says we actually need to work hard to have joy? Can we just skip straight to the joy? And I think it's just different parts of our journey require an ask of our, ask of our energies to expand in different ways. And if we never do the work, well then we're, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I feel like us. in this space, mm -hmm. right? Like, for example, in Austin here, you know, and this is going to go out a little bit later, but um, <laughs> we had a winter storm and there's, there's about four or five times as many homeless people here since COVID than there was before, right? And mm -hmm. we have a warm climate normally. And then all of a sudden we are, we're in this window of time where there's like, there's, freezing temperatures and and there's ice and there's snow and the roads are, are iced over and you can't drive and and it's freezing and you know somebody's little flimsy tent is not going to provide the shelter that they actually need mm -hmm. to survive like actual survival so there's a space in which claiming my own joy you know of having a warm house that even though the power was going on and off, I had power throughout that this past week. I've had power. I've had, I've had heat intermittently. I've had the ability to cook hot food because we have gas stove, you know. So I had these these privileges. I had these abilities to 
provide for myself and my family. And to hold the gratitude of that right alongside my deep compassion Mm -hmm. for the people who didn't have those Mm -hmm. gifts and to, but to not pity them, not to see them as less than, or somehow they did something to get it that way. It's their, you know, they must've done something wrong. You know, like that whole mentality Mm -hmm. is like, no, they're just for whatever reason. And I wouldn't know what those reasons are. They're having that experience right now. And I'm having this experience right now. And we're both having experiences side by side that look really different. One's really painful and one's pretty pleasurous, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's a word, but pleasurous, but can you, can you let yourself, can you let yourself have the pleasure of somebody else's in pain and also empathize with their pain that they're experiencing right now? Can it all be true at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a a big container when you have both together. But if you're supposed to hold down the ecstasy for the planet and you hold back your ecstasy because of feeling bad for somebody else and you bring yourself down into the low vibration of seriousness, are you really serving as a light worker? If your vibe is like, if you know, you need to work through your shadows and honesty, right? It's not, it's not a, but like a genuine ecstasy, like having trudged through the shadows and really claimed it, but that genuine ecstasy, doesn't the planet need that vibration in order to lift? It absolutely does. And I think going back to what you shared, you know, I think that's where people really struggle, right? How do I look at that person who may be on the streets and then go and turn towards my life and be okay with that. And I think there's a couple of pieces to that just on a practical level. If you wanna do something, do it. If that feels good, do it. And you don't have to have a reason, just do it. <laughs> if that's your way to love or that's you know your way to take some action and do what, you know, have the gratitude for your own life do both, as you said, but also, you know, where you said to not take pity on them, that you're not taking pity on them. I think that's a huge piece. I think that, you know, we all know shadow work in that, that vein, when we see someone and we put our ideas on what they're doing, who they are, what they're feeling, even, we don't know what they're experiencing. And even if they express it to us in a certain way, We don't know why, as you said, they're experiencing that. And I know that I have been in the pits. And if someone, when people have seen me in that place without the pity, I've been able to see myself. So that helps lift me. It it helps me see what's going on. And that there's that awareness there that says, oh, what I'm experiencing is not me. And I can do something different. Not that people out on the streets or whoever it is that we're talking about that we witness need to do anything different. But but to really honor that we see them and that we have no idea what, what they're learning perhaps or what they're choosing this for or maybe they're not choosing it. However they see it is their free aut- autonomous way to be in this life. And when we bring the word freedom in, I know there, there's, that can complicate things because we live, that's coming from a you know, deeper place of spiritual freedom, liberation and sovereignty. And then we have all these layers of living in this collective, you know, with these governments and institutions and systems that we have. So when I've been in the pits and I've seen myself, I've discovered those places of the beliefs and the ways of being that I was living right, living right out right there. Not that it was my fault, not that, you know, I should condemn myself or punish myself, but whoa, there, there it was. I get to see how I created again. <laughs> and, you know, and what if it gave us an opportunity? Like for me, I realized it gave me an opportunity to be more prepared. Like I was not prepared to serve. I did not have like emergency blankets or a plan or four wheel drive or anything like I, because that has never happened in Texas. Like it's a hundred years ago, it might've snowed like that, but you know, this was un, unplanned. 
it gave me an opportunity to see where else am I not planned? How have I not prepared myself mm -hmm. to be present with what might call my heart forth? Like my heart was very called forth to support people through that challenge. And I found myself ill-equipped to do so. I didn't have any of the tools or anything I needed in order to do that. And then somebody else was more prepared. So then it, it gave me an opportunity to support what they were doing. They actually put people up in hotels. So they were, they were doing a fundraiser and they, they asked for people to support, you know, give money to put the homeless into hotels. And I was like, I'm, so I gave some, I've had good prosperity. So I gave some prosperity to support that. And then I shared it out because I'm a messenger. So I used my gifts. I was like, God, what is there for me to do? And I'm a messenger. So I was like, okay, I'm supposed to send the message. So I sent the message out and then I've just, I've watched their numbers climb. I'm sure I'm not the only one sending the message out. There's lots of us sending the message out, but I've watched their, their expectations to raise money climb from $25,000 to 90,000 now. And they're on the verge to getting that. So Sweet. just like, and this money will support the homeless people like in Austin, uh, well beyond, you know, I'm sure it's still rising today. So what I love mm -hmm. is that the idea of, of, and I kept visualizing a homeless person who's been on the streets, cold, dirty, you know, like how good would that feel? Like I think about myself after camping for a week, how good would that feel to get a hot shower, clean towels, clean sheets, dry place, warm, civilized to, to just regroup. Absolutely. Just regroup, like, and figure out just what am I doing? Like get out of the survival and just be like, and what a gift to feel, to experience being held that there were actually, you're safe. We actually, the collective, we see you, we see that you're going through something. We're here for you. Oh, like, it's beautiful. What a huge gift to it's receive huge. that. It's huge. It's so huge. I think, you know, speaking to pleasure, I think this is one of the big things that, that helped me with pleasure is just noticing the very basics, the very simple things that give me pleasure, like drinking a cup of warm water. I like that. A lot of people don't. <laughs> I'm Chinese. Um, <laughs> sleeping in my warm bed, you know, if you have things that you do appreciate these smaller things and I say smaller and then I think no they're not small at all because they give us that very foundational feeling of feeling safe and taken care of and I just you know I see your breath in this moment and that's exactly how I feel when I really tune into it and let my body take it in and slow down to let my body take it in and integrate it for longer a lot of the things that I obsess over or somehow get myself in suffering mode over just w start to wash away a little bit when I realize, oh, these are the important things. <laughs> Being in connection with my family for me is an important thing and it's here. And so I know it's probably something people talk about a lot, but I cannot reiterate it too much, I feel like, because we can, we tend to overlook those things and just go for the other things and look where there's lack in the other things. And also, I love horses. I don't know if you know that, Carrie. No. One of the biggest things I love about horses is they just take their pleasure. They just do it. You come up and they, you have a carrot. And if they come up to you, oh, mm. And they're like, more, more. <laughs> so they'll take as much as they can. They're not afraid of it. They'll look, they'll sniff you out. Kind of makes me chuckle. And then if they're done, they're done and they just walk away. There's no thank you. <laughs> they don't owe me. <laughs> I can ask something of them. They might be happier to, to do it, but they don't owe me a thing. And they know it and they just walk away and they do the thing that they want to do. And it just is such a beautiful example for me because it's crisp in terms of their congruence. To me, unless the horse is really traumatized or like been very conditioned in a certain way, they're just showing me all the time how to have pleasure, how to take it, and how to I just get twisted enjoy the yummy so grass. many stories about it, right? Like 
Yeah, <laughs> it's simple. There's grass over there. I like well, I'll, I'll take that carrot, but like, let me just make sure everybody else has had a carrot first before I take the carrot that the universe is offering me in this moment. Let me just make sure that everybody's had one. You know, it's like, <laughs> right? Are you really responsible? I, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember one time I had this uh, conversation with one of my healers, John Rasmussen, and he said, Carrie, you're spending a lot of energy trying to do the universe's job by making sure everybody's um, like even Steven and 50, 50 and all this. He's like, that's a lot of work. He said, you know what you're missing in order to do that calculation. And I said, no, he said all the thousands of lifetimes that the universe has already calculated exactly what needs to happen for you right now. And exactly what needs to happen for Candace and exactly what needs to happen for everybody else in your life. You're missing all that data. You don't actually have that. So it's kind of pointless for you to be deciding Mm. what's fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I definitely had that too. And it's been a big piece of my working with pleasure because yeah, I felt responsible for the whole planet for, for the universe. Like who I am that big. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that big. And it's a little self-glorifying, isn't it? It's like, very. it's it, maybe <laughs> touching to that entitlement piece you were talking about, like definitely had that, you know, entitled, thinking that for me, it was thinking that I am or needing to feel like I'm better in a certain way and that I had something to offer and that I was valuable and that I was worthy therefore. And I think that's the tricky thing. You know, some people listening might be thinking this about pleasure is that what we find pleasurable can have its layers too. And so we might find, well, no, I want to do that. I want to save the planet or whatever. And it's like, okay, let's look at that. And that may be very true, you know, to the person. I, it's not for me to say, but it's definitely been a sorting process for me. Is that pleasure because then I get something out of it that I'm dependent on something outside of me to get? And I think this is the route. Is that the survival mode and pattern? Or is it just... I want to do it because this feels complete that I do it right now. And that's, that's it. Like, or it serves that deeper something that is just out of love, the love for it or the presence of it. And if I'm, am I taking an action? This is what was facing me with the homeless is I wanted to drive out. I wanted to drive. I wanted to me specifically to drive to a homeless camp and, and get their names and text them to these people with the hotels and then go drive them over there. I wanted to be the one. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm so the savior. Yeah. You know? And I had to look and I looked on the black ice in my neighborhood and I was like, my neighborhood has black ice. Uh, I don't have snow tires. Um, I'm from New England. I know black ice is never something you want to drive on. Um, probably going to be a statistic if I do this and create more problems that some <laughs> other frontline worker is going to have to save me from in addition to the homeless people I was like okay this is probably not my thing to do and but I don't this, be a martyr right there right <laughs> yeah I had this humbling moment of like you're not the savior in this moment Carrie how does that make you feel and I was like guilty <laughs> you know yeah for not for having like having a nice warm house and having everything. And, and I realized that I actually needed to focus on that, like clear that up because I did my job. And that's when I asked, like, what's for me to do then? If I'm humble and mm -hmm. I know that I'm, it's not for me to drive, I don't have like a four wheel drive truck and I don't have all the things, you know, like that people have when they're, when they are frontline people, right? There are warrior people that are better designed for this than me. So, and they're doing it. That's the thing. They're doing it. So I don't need to be the one like that is right. totally my ego that wants to be the one. I want to be the one that gets to rescue them and be like the firefighter, like and rescue them. No, like that's not my job. And so even when I made my donation, I made it anonymous because I'm like, no, you don't get credit. Mm -hmm. No, because what it's you wanted was was for those people to have support. Not about me. And you got clear. You, yeah, you got clear about that. I was making it about me up. and my yeah. hero complex. So I had I to totally really call myself out and be like, nope, mm. I've done what I can. Okay, what else can I do? I feel I still feel like I want to do something. Share it on a social media. I did that. 
I watched the number and I was happy, happy watching the number go up on the donations. And then I said, okay, I'm feeling better about this. And then it was like, pray, pray, pray to the elements, pray to the earth. That's what you're actually good at, Carrie. Like that's a part of your thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll pray to the Pachamama. I'll pray Pachamama. I'll pray to the guys. I'll pray to the ancestors that they find peace and comfort through this lesson and that it's graceful and easy and it doesn't have to be hard. And they realize that. And, you know, if they're willing and if they want it and for the highest good, whatever lesson's coming for them, I surrender to that, but I just send love and light and compassion. And so I, I just, I did that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like really humbling when you realize that you have certain gifts that you can share and other people have different gifts that they share. Yeah. And that really goes back to both horses and constellations in my head because horses know their place. I mean, they kind of duke it out every day to just check <laughs> and to see where they stand each day, which is very present in my opinion, or as I witness it, but they know their place. They know what gifts they offer to the herd and they know they might be a follower and that actually is an important thing to just listen to the person in charge and follow because then we will all be safe. Or there's that quiet one that like gives a little nudge, you know, gives like the warm cuddles to their, to the horses and they know that they can get comfort from this horse. There are just so many different gifts from each horse and constellations wise, it really gets to the root of, I think, what we're, you know, when we get out of alignment like that, is that sense of like, do I have a place here? Am I going to be seen in my place? Like that I, that I took part in this? Am I going to be seen for who I am, who I want to be seen as? And I think in this time of like so much activism and social justice and action changes, it's so tricky to sort those pieces out of like, where is it? I'm just looking for a pat on the back and to not, you know, to see if you're criticizing yourself about that too, or, you know, to find some loving in that. And where is it fulfilling the true desire instead of our own agenda of like the fear in us wanting to find our place? Where we got, in other words, when is it a true inspiration and when is it, you know, a true inspiration maybe muddled up with some egoic um, need for attention and identity as a hero, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and judging, and judging what somebody's going through as like, they shouldn't be going through that. Should they not mm-hmm. be going through that? There are, they are going through it. So that's like, that's arguing mm-hmm. with reality. They are going through that lesson. And I know there's no mistakes. So if they're going through yeah. that lesson, it's not put on them, it's for them and they agree to it at a soul level. So they're experiencing it. So me arguing with it is actually my putting my crap on top of their soul curriculum, which is a projection. Mm-hmm. So there's also that, you know, so we have to be mm-hmm. really careful. I think we have to be so much more mindful. What The more we're aware of, the more I'm aware of, the more I realize I need to be really mindful and aware of when I'm when I'm thinking that someone else's reality is a problem and that needs to be fixed, I need to probably take a look at what's my own discomfort with what they're experiencing. And can I handle that within myself so that I can show up for this person to have the experience they chose to have and have a friend to go through it with. I mean, that's basically what Mm -hmm. we're talking about is being there for each other to go through whatever we're going through without trying to judge it or, blame it or shame it or anything just like let it be what it is it is what it is and if there's something that is inspired that needs to happen in order to support somebody to claim that next level for themselves that they want well of course we are willing to do that most of us I think are willing to do that so it's just finding those boundaries in the relationships where Mm -hmm. we're not we're we're maintaining our own bubble and whatever's going on in our bubble we're just we're owning that fully including our reactions to Mm -hmm. other people's scenarios, like just totally owning that and letting them have theirs. Absolutely. And I I find sometimes the hardest thing is to stay aligned when it means walking away or not doing, not doing something and that actually serving 
Well, I don't know what it's doing. I can't say it, it, it would be entitled of me to say it serves something unless I've been told it did, but to just stay aligned in myself and, and trust that that's the right thing for me. And that's enough. Yeah. And if you're having a reaction to doing what your soul is inspiring you to do or not do, then that's your stuff. Right. <laughs> I got a lot yours. of stuff, Carrie. <laughs> I know I got a lot too. There's a lot going on inside my bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that, that I struggle with is my own judgment of when I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And I, I hesitate to say wrong, but that's my own judgment, right? There it is. Because it's like less desirable for me now. I'd rather choose something else in those kinds of cases where it's, you know, not the not aligned thing, or it's like the pat on the back or something, or, you know, the pleaser in me, which is the pat on the back, whatever it is. Um, you know, where there's so much out there that people say, you should do this, you should do that. And I can get caught in that a bit uh, and, and see myself applying that to when people are doing that very thing to get a pat on the back. And it's like, back up. That's not to judge either. That's just yourself again, myself yep. again. And then this is how we get serious. Yeah. You, you see how complicated it is? <laughs> so freaking complicated. So what do you do to get into playful or lightness? I think you have to be willing else? to make mistakes. I think that yeah. that is essentially what it is. We have to be willing to make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> otherwise it gets so tight and constricted by not wanting to make mistakes and do it all perfectly. Yeah. I've had to release a lot of the fear in my body to feel safe enough to make mistakes and to feel safe enough to laugh at something like it was never safe growing up for me and probably in many, definitely in many lives past. And so my body just held all these fear responses. And it's so tricky, you know, when you, especially when I first started, it's like, what I'm reacting to this with this much fear. Like when I actually looked at the fear there and when I didn't have the language or the knowing or the understanding in the front of my mind, it was probably there somewhere. But when I didn't think I had that understanding of like different soul lives or lineage and what could be passed down, I was just like, how does one deal with life? You know, like, I don't get where this is all coming <laughs> from. And yeah, it took so much for me. And I don't know that it has to be that hard, but it was a hard path. And maybe I, <laughs> that was just the path I needed to get here. But um, releasing so much fear in the cells of my body and still, but it's, it's, you know, there's hope, you know, for anyone listening, I think if you've trekked the path a little, definitely, you know, I feel a huge difference. And we can even just Stupid delight in the laugh. fact that there's all these twisty turnies in our minds, you know, like you just delight in the fact that we're actually contemplating all these things and, and doing our best to be conscious and, and to allow people to have their own life experience without treading on it. You know, we're yeah. doing our best, you know, it's like that. It's the dance. It's a dance with each other. And, you know, we're, we're working on <clears throat> this, uh, this new space we're moving into collectively is a space of working on relationships. So it makes perfect sense that these are the kinds of conversations we're having and that we're focused on is, mm -hmm. is how, you know, what is relationship like? And guess what? We're not going to do it perfectly because we're just getting started with this phase and it's really going on, going to go on for probably thousands of years. So like, Hey, it's going to be messy. Some grace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. You know, I mean, it's going to be an interesting where I, we're here to learn and grow, you know? And so it's yeah. going to take a little while to figure this thing out. So it's for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I want to just go back to pleasure as the compass, because yeah. even in relationship, I think we have, we have the coding in ourselves to, to just follow that. Just like a horse knows, like, I like carrots. That's it. There's, there's no debate about that. It's a given. I'm going to take that carrot, even if it's not given to me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then if some other horse comes along and says, Hey, I wanted that carrot. You say, well, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually your thing. Why you, why the universe didn't give you the carrot. The universe gave me the carrot and you didn't get the carrot. 
I'm sorry. And, you know, go figure that out. <laughs> yep. All the while they just walked away. <laughs> like the horse just walked away anyway. <laughs> it's like, sorry. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, yeah the, this, you know, just knowing, getting in touch with our pleasure, I think is so important because it's it really lately, there's a part of me that says nothing else actually matters. Cause that's the guide. That's where, that's the roadmap to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can be in pleasure even as you're noticing what you're noticing that might not be what you thought you wanted. You can still be in pleasure about that. Like, Oh, wow, look at mm -hmm. that. That's really delightful. Like I'm actually noticing this thing. You can be curious yeah. and delight in the delight in the, in the exploration, right? Like you don't have to be yeah. arguing with reality. That's right. One of the things I'm working on is not arguing, arguing. with reality. Okay, love it. Well, and like what you're saying too, is that I think, uh, as I hear you is pleasure doesn't just encompass the thing that feels like what we would think offhand that just feel, feels good. Like it can be broad. And the more we expand, the more we can find pleasure in every single thing. You can that live your life, means. the beauty, when that's really the beauty way, you know, I feel like that's mm -hmm. the beauty way is, is to see the beauty in everything that's happening. Like we talked about at the beginning, seeing the beauty in my dad's passing, you know, do I want my dad to have died? No, hell no. Did he die? Yes. So I'm not going to argue with reality. So now what's the beauty in my dad's passing? Because there is beauty in that. For mm -hmm. me, if I choose to see it and I choose to claim it, there is beauty in that. And I found the gold nuggets of that. And there's more, I'm sure, yeah. to be revealed. And, and in that way, I'm living the beauty way rather than being in pain and torment and suffering over something I have no control over. Yeah, I think that's really giving me the sense too that actually pleasure is because we've registered it in a certain way in our minds. It's a bit of an incomplete word. For me, beauty, well, then <laughs> beauty can be the same, but but for me personally, beauty holds a little more wholeness in it, in the pleasure, beauty with a capital B, that kind of thing. Yes, we're redefining all these words right now. Yeah. And it, you know, it's going to take each of us whatever time it takes to redefine those words in a more appropriate way. And probably they're going to keep evolving. So just, you know, grace and space, I believe, grace and space for the journey. And, you know, that at least the realization that we're on that contemplation as a collective is helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, grace and space. I love that grace and space well mm -hmm. this has been delightful and it I, has you know so people want to let go of that shit let's see remember you have the ally with death audio experiential from candace yeah work with the death of the ally of death such a powerful ally to let go of what you don't need anymore or to let go of you know even just you could let go of the idea that it's wrong you could let go of yep Yep. And your you know, definition things, of beauty, you could let go of that. <laughs> right. And, and all the things you have been harboring that maybe are in the corner of the closet that you don't know about. Um, it's, it's an audio experience. So it's to my voice and uh, an artist, Larry St. Germain playing the hand pan. So it's, it's provocative and moody. So it kind of like gets the energies like stimulated to, um, release things. And so if you, if you need a process or want support through a process of that, and I, I love it, you know, we're still in winter here in Michigan. Um, as you said, this is going out later, but I think this can be used any time, especially if you feel stuck. Anytime, especially if you feel stuck. Awesome. I'm going to yeah. put the link to the show notes um, in the show notes to this free offer. And I just, um, you know, any last words you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, I, well, I just want to say it's, it's not free. There's a 25% promo though. And you just type in soul nectar in the promo code, um, or just click on the link and it should take you right there. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's been fabulous. And thank you for all of you out there listening. Your pleasure absolutely lifts other people.
and it gives people another option in that awesome. moment. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody. So if you liked this episode, please like and share it out, you know, wherever you found it, iTunes or YouTube or wherever it was. Give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating if you like. Help us to find more people because these engines, they require oh, so many likes, so much engagement in order to know that this is important. So if you could do that for us, that'd be awesome. And here come kisses. So if you want to join me for give people kisses, Candice, here they come. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> love you everybody and we'll see you next week on soul nectar show bye for now to dive in deeper to nourishing conversation visit soulnectar.show take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are, yeah, yeah.